my friend, I have a favor to ask. I'm running as a hero in the 2023 St. Jude Memphis Marathon weekend. St. Jude heroes are runners who fundraise while they train for their race. And I am proud to be a part of this nationwide alliance against childhood cancer. I want to help make sure that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food, so they can focus solely on helping their child live. Your donation, no matter the size, will help. Will you help me reach my fundraising goal? Please visit my fundraising page to show your support at fundraising.stjude.org slash go to slash Donita J. That's D-O-N-I-T-A-J. There's a link in the show notes. I can't thank you enough for helping the kids of St. Jude. Welcome, triathlon enthusiasts, to a truly inspiring episode of the official triathlete podcast. Get ready to embark on a journey like no other as we introduce you to Pam Wilson, a remarkable individual who's turned her love for the great outdoors into an awe-inspiring triathlon adventure. With a life story that's seen her transition from various sports and activities, Pam's journey is nothing short of extraordinary. But what truly sets her apart is her indomitable spirit in the face of a unique challenge the loss of an arm. Today, we uncover the secrets of her resilience, the remarkable races she's conquered, and the boundless energy that keeps her chasing new goals. You're in for an episode that celebrates strength, adaptability, and the enduring pursuit of personal triumphs. So listen in for episode 47 of the official triathlete podcast. Hey, my friend, my name is Danita Jacobs. Some people know me as a nurse, a leader, and health expert. Other people know me as a coach, race official, and seasoned triathlete. But at the end of the day, I'm simply a friend with a mission. I want to help you transform your life. My goal isn't to help millions. My goal is to help you. Welcome to the official triathlete podcast, where you will learn about all things multi-sport, broken down into bite-sized pieces, and how we can blend life demands with fitness goals. My approach is different because I am blending my 20 plus years of healthcare and athletic experience to help you be the healthiest, happiest, and most balanced athlete you can be. I believe in you, even if you don't. You really can reach those soaring goals, and I'm here to help you get there. I'm so glad you made it here. If you have a question or topic idea, get in touch and let me know. After all, this show is for you. Enjoy! Hello, my friends and fellow athletes. Thanks for tuning in. I am so grateful that you're here. Before we get to this very inspiring interview, I always start with a little message from my Train With Heart program. It's my mission to transform the whole athlete. So heart not only develops and prepares the body for improved athletic performance, but aims to optimize the whole person through healing, empowerment, awareness, reflection, and transformation. So each episode, I share a little snippet from how I help my athletes with one of these elements. Today, we are going to discuss empowerment. Let's talk about navigating the often treacherous waters of self-doubt. We're diving headfirst into the strategies that will fortify your self-confidence in the world of triathlon. We all know that nagging self-doubt can be a relentless adversary on our journey to success. Triathlon is not just a test of physical strength. It's a battle of the mind, too. Those moments of self-doubt can be particularly challenging, especially during training and on race day. But remember, you're not alone, and I'm here to arm you with strategies to conquer it. So strategy number one is affirmations and self-talk. The power of positive self-talk cannot be overstated. 
Those nagging voices of self-doubt can be silenced by replacing them with affirmations that reiterate your strengths, past successes, and unwavering determination. This isn't just wishful thinking. It's a scientific approach to rewiring your brain for success. Start your day with a powerful affirmation. Repeat it to yourself in the mirror, ingraining it into your subconscious. When self-doubt creeps in during a grueling training session or on race day, counter it with your chosen affirmation. You are strong. You are prepared. You've got this. Now strategy number two, visualization. The human mind is a powerful tool and it can't distinguish between a vividly imagined success and an actual one. That's where visualization comes into play. Close your eyes and picture yourself succeeding in your next triathlon. Imagine every detail with incredible clarity. Visualize the starting line, your smooth and powerful strokes in the swim, the rhythm of your pedaling on the bike, and the feeling of your legs propelling you forward on the run. Picture the finish line, the cheering crowd, and the pure elation of victory. Feel the accomplishment and joy as if it's happening right now. This mental exercise is not just a source of motivation. It's a proven technique that boosts your confidence. By visualizing success, you create a roadmap for your mind to follow, making success a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now strategy number three, goal chunking. The road to a triathlon victory can feel like an insurmountable mountain. But remember, every mountain is conquered one step at a time. A powerful strategy to combat self-doubt is to break down your triathlon journey into smaller, manageable goals. Each achievement will reinforce your self-confidence, leading you to your ultimate destination. Set milestones that align with your overarching goal. Whether it's improving your swim time, increasing your cycling distance, or completing a challenging run, these smaller goals provide tangible markers of your progress. As you tick off each milestone, your self-doubt will gradually fade away, replaced by the confidence that comes with every achievement. Okay, strategy number four is mental training. Just as you train your body for the physical demands of a triathlon, your mind needs its workouts too. Techniques such as mindfulness and meditation are powerful tools to help you navigate self-doubt. Mindfulness is the art of being present in the moment. In the midst of a grueling training session or on the race course, mindfulness allows you to stay in the moment, keeping those nagging doubts at bay. By focusing on your breath, your body's sensations, and the environment around you, you can maintain your composure and perform at your best. Meditation is another invaluable tool for mental conditioning. Through meditation, you can cultivate a calm and focused mind. It's a practice of self-awareness and introspection, which ultimately empowers you to manage self-doubt and other mental obstacles. And don't forget, sometimes the guidance of a sports psychologist can be a game changer. Seeking professional help is not a sign of weakness. It's a testament to your commitment to mental fortitude. Triathlon is a complex, multifaceted challenge. It's as much a journey within as it is a race outside. Self-doubt is a natural companion on this journey, but it doesn't have to define your path. Remember, it's just a passing cloud, and your determination is the sun that breaks through, casting self-confidence as your shadow. Triathlon is your battleground, and self-doubt is just another obstacle. But as a triathlete, you're not just an obstacle conqueror. You're a self-doubt slayer. 
Armed with these strategies, you can conquer your doubts and emerge as a triumphant athlete ready to face the challenges with unwavering self-confidence. Today, we embark on an extraordinary journey into the world of endurance sports, resilience, and unwavering determination. Our guest, Pam Wilson, is more than an athlete. She's an inspiration, a testament to the boundless spirit that defies life's challenges. Pam's journey began with an innate love for the great outdoors and an insatiable curiosity for all things sports. From skiing to soccer, she'd embrace any athletic endeavor that came her way. But life had a unique plan for Pam. At the age of 20, a fateful car accident led to the loss of her arm. Her response? A triumphant pivot that would take her from the depths of adversity to becoming a seasoned triathlete. Today, as an area director for a staffing company, Pam's days are filled with placing people into jobs, both temporary and permanent. But it's her relentless pursuit of personal goals in the world of triathlons that sets her apart. In a career filled with challenges and triumphs, Pam's remarkable journey is a testament to the human spirit's capacity for reinvention. In this episode, we'll dive into her experiences from overcoming the trials of Kona to her extraordinary marathon conquests and her plans for the future. Pam's story is not just about finishing races. It's about conquering life's hurdles with grace, adaptability, and an insatiable desire to reach new personal records. So get ready for a conversation that will inspire, empower, and rekindle your own pursuit of the extraordinary. This is the official triathlete podcast, and this is Pam Wilson's incredible journey. Hey, Pam, welcome to the official triathlete podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. All right. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. Um, I've known you for just a little while, uh, actually, personally, but um, I've known of you and seen you around for years. And I've always been really inspired by you. And I'm really excited to share your story with my listeners, um, because I just think that you're an amazing person. So let's dive in. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So can you share a little bit of your journey with us? Tell us about like the moment that your love for outdoors and sports really took root. And were there any early experiences that ignited this passion? It's so funny that you ask because I actually don't remember when my love of the outdoors kind of took root. It's just always been in me. Right. So ever since I was a little kid, I like being outside. I like being alone. I like doing things, digging in the dirt and running and playing and swimming. And that just kind of continued my whole life. Um, Most likely to go on a hike, me, most likely to uh, go, you know, for a a walk across a river or through a river, me. Oh, does somebody want to go skydiving? Me. It's always, Mm. I'm always signing up for just kind of whatever it is if it's an adventure of some kind. So, I think somewhere in my brain, it's just hardwired um, mm. that that I need to be active and I need to be outside. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so your journey through various sports and activities is definitely fascinating. What's been the most unexpected sport or activity you've tried and how did that impact your life? Um, I, it's funny because I knew you were going to ask me. Um, I think, you know, triathlon is my most unexpected sport. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's what I found the latest in life. So I didn't find triathlon until 2017, which is funny, Um, like officially do a triathlon, let's say Uh that way. Um, Back in the early 2000s or so, um, I lost my arm in a car accident actually in 1994. 
Um, and so I never mm. thought something like this would be possible, right? Riding a bike and swimming in a straight line and uh-huh. doing all of this stuff um, kind of seemed out, out of out of the picture for me. Um, but then in the early 2000s, I saw a guy do an Ironman on TV and he didn't have any legs. And I was like, now if this guy can do it, like, let's think about this. I can, maybe I could pull this off. And then I don't know, life happened for a few years. And then in 2017, um, the company I work for sponsors um, uh, uh, people from all over. We have uh, branches and things all over the world. And so they take, you know, a, a person from every branch, you know, across 30 or 40 countries that we have, and they send them all to a triathlon. And my boss, convinced me that that was something that I could do (laughs) and signed me up for this ambassador project. And so I became an ambassador for our company, got myself a coach and, or they got me a coach and a bike. And the manager that I had took me out on bike rides and encouraged me and got me into triathlon. Um, It's really, really tough for me. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, I think that's what I like so much about it is it's just not an Mm. easy breezy thing, you know? Sure. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> so, so yeah, let me ask you this. So you were in your um, early 20s when you lost your arm. Um, so how did that experience um, really impact your outlook on life and uh, in sports in general? So it's funny. Um, it, you know, obviously, it's a devastating thing, right? You're in your on college break and you're hanging out with some friends and the next thing you know, you're in a car accident, right? Mm -hmm. And everything changes, your whole world changes. Um, I think it made me a better person. I don't know if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. You know, you, you value life a little bit more, you value experiences and people and things a little bit more. And I don't want it to sound corny, but it really it really changed me deeply as a person. And I Mm. was 20, right? Like I was this young punk kid Mm. and I went from kind of living carefree, you know, to holy smokes, like, wait a minute, this could all be taken away at any second. Um, The cool thing is, this is cool, but not cool, is my grandmother, who I was very close with, um, was an amputee and she only had one leg. And I lived with her on and off most of my very young life. And she was a dancer and a golfer and a bowler mm-hmm. and a, just out and about all the time. And oh, wow. um, after I lost my arm, I went to stay with her. And it was kind of like, all right, buck up, buttercup. Uh-huh. You know, this is not time for you to like, you're 20. Like, you've got your whole life of had of you. Go in, mm-hmm. make your bed, let's eat some breakfast, and let's get out of the house. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of unlucky lucky that I had somebody like that kind of in mm-hmm. my life to really make make me push myself to be better and do better. Yeah. Really what a cool. inspirational um thing to have in your life. I mean that's um something you can identify with. Um so that's pretty amazing. I mean as as you know, I mean this is not near on that level, but you know, my husband lost his finger to cancer and it's his right index finger, you know, and that's his primary hand, you know, that he uses. And it was pretty devastating. Um but, you know, he really was a trooper and just learned, you know, you have to adapt and and move on and uh, go on with life and continue to do things. And he he still just he does everything he did before, just had to learn a different way. So it sounds like your grandma kind of said, yeah, that's <laughs> you got to learn, learn to do things a different way. That's all. 
yeah, you just have to learn how to be creative, right? It's it's forced creativity. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you describe some of the initial challenges you faced when you began your triathlon journey? Um, sure. I think and still is my biggest challenge is the bike. Mm-hmm. So um, stability on the bike has always been a big issue. I, I've been a swimmer since I was, I can't even remember a time in my life when I couldn't swim ever, mm. you know? And, and really when people ask me, they're like, how do you swim? They, they think that's the biggest concern. And I always mm-hmm. tell them I, I will be the last person to drown out there in that lake. Like right. I, will, <laughs> I will, I could be out there all day. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, I'm a floater for sure, but that bike just bumps and wind and you know the the muscle that it takes in your shoulders and your back it, it is really a challenge um and i've always just kind of winged it the last i mean it hasn't i haven't been doing it very long honestly mm-hmm. um but since 2017 i've just kind of been winging it one handed mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and i just got back from a race that I hope we can talk about a little bit. Uh-huh, um, <laughs> and, and I did not finish. And it's the first time I've not finished a race. And it was mm-hmm. absolutely devastating to me. But again, lucky, unlucky, seems like this happens a lot for me, which is cool, is I made so many contacts and now have gotten in touch with a company who can make an adaptation for me for my bike to get that stability which means I can ride like everybody mm-hmm. else. So I have really high hopes for 2024 and 25. I'm I'm super inspired and super psyched about what I could be able to do now that I haven't been able to do in the last few years. So mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if that answers your question, but I'm no. really, really pumped. And I would have never gotten these chances had I not just not made it at my last race. Yeah. Well, so I mean, that's, uh, I actually had asked Josh, I mean, as you know, he's a bicycle mechanic and I asked him a long time ago if he had ever looked at your bike, um, you know, cause a lot of our local triathletes, you know, go to him. And, um, because I was wondering if you had any modifications on your bicycle that helped you, especially because you're missing your right arm and really your primary shifting is with yeah. your right hand. <laughs> it's a situation. <laughs> yeah, so they modified it. So the bike shop has done a really nice job. They found a company um, to take all, and I got electronic shifters last year, which is really good uh, upgrade and really, really yes. cool. But they've moved everything to the left-hand side. So brakes, gears, everything is on the left. Um, okay. And I have a cool little button on the handlebars. Um, that would have been controlling everything on the right side, they put this little button inside the handlebars. And so I push that button and I can do, Uh you know, small ring to big ring and all this kind of stuff. And then the brakes Uh are calibrated so that if I press them, I don't fly over the handlebars. Right. Yes. Those are all things that I've wondered about. You're flying down a hill and you hit the brakes and, you know, you don't want to go flinging off the top. Yeah. Okay. So it kind of puts pressure on both wheels. Uh, so, okay. Well, that's good to know. I've always wondered about that. Cause I, I mean, I just knew there had to be something, um, you know, especially as, as we'll talk about, I mean, doing a 112 mile race, you're going to be doing some shifting, um, you know, so, you know, I, there has to be something. So, um, 
Yeah, that kind of so took how, care of, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say that kind of took care of the shifting part. The, the hardest thing is is the eating, the eating and the drinking, right? Because yeah. you have to go no-handed. So if you hit a bump, uh-huh. right, and you have a bottle in your hand, yeah. you're in trouble. So um, yeah. it makes me much, much slower, right? The whole nutrition yeah. thing, which is huge yeah. in a triathlon, huge. Um, I have to stop right. and eat a goo. Well, then you got to start again. So mm. it's okay at 10, yeah. 12, 30 miles, but at 50, 60, 80 miles, stopping and starting and stopping and starting is, yeah. it, it wears on you mentally um, and, and physically, right? Because then you're like a minute off the bike, your whole body starts to kind of tighten up and then you got to loosen uh-huh. it back up. And so you're slowing down. Um, so I'm hoping with that adaptation, this can change that. Right. Yeah. I I know because I've done a couple of Ironman and just stopping at like special needs or something, you know, that's hard. It, it is. It's mentally exhausting and it is physically demanding to get started going again. So I can't imagine how many times you would have had to stop and start going Every again. Hour. Yeah. <laughs> Every hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um. So how do you manage and adapt to the physical demands of swimming, cycling, and running with one arm? Um, I know you must have really strong shoulder on that that side, like you said, because balance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I am pretty strong. Um, The swimming, I'm just a little bit slower, honestly. Mm -hmm. I I think the only difference is I'm a little bit slower um, and I might have to use my legs a little bit more, right, than, Mm -hmm. than somebody else. But in the physically challenged division, I can wear a wetsuit up to 83 degrees. Oh, okay. So because it's not, um, even an Ironman, there's no, there's no winner. Like, well, if you're in the physically challenged division and you, you finish the, the triathlon, mm-hmm. they, they consider that a win, right? Yeah. And you know when you come in, right? What time you come in, but um, you don't really get to place. Okay. Um, so they allow it up to 83 degrees, which helps you know, kind of manage through that. Um, And then the bike, kind of like we talked about, um, I do have a speed fill, which is really nice that I can use. And, you know, you just, you just stop. If you see railroad tracks, you just slow down. Yeah. Um, They're, they're like my arch nemesis is the railroad tracks. Um, Uh Uh-huh. And so that, and then running, you know, I could run all day. We did, um, I did the Mamba out at, um, the Ag Center in Memphis this past weekend, Yeah, the 50K out there and just kind of cruised through it. Um, you know, I'm I'm just a runner or I, you know, a shuffler, whatever. It took me all day, but I I made it within the time limit and it's just, it just comes pretty naturally to me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so what advice do you have for beginners who might be facing some obstacles and considering taking up triathlon? I think it's really helpful. Everybody thinks they know what to do and how to do it. I think a coach is a great idea. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if you're not looking to podium and win every time, you know, there's so many people out there that are willing to, to coach virtually or on a scale of some kind. I it always helps to have that. And at the very least, get in a club, right? So, you know, it's, there's mm-hmm. so many logistics. It's just complicated, yeah. you know? Um, and then make best friends with your bike mechanic. 
Yes. <laughs> find yourself a guy or a gal and make best friends with them. It's just or marry them if you're me. <laughs> or marry them. Yeah, like you did the you did it the right way. <laughs> I'm silly me married a firefighter. He knows nothing about bikes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think a good bike shop, a bike mechanic, and mm-hmm. somebody that can guide you. I mean, even if it's not a formal coach, I mean, I think that's the best option, but somebody that's done it a bazillion times mm-hmm. and listen to them because you're going to think they're wrong, right? You're going to be mm-hmm. like, I don't need mm-hmm. to eat 60, 80, 90 grams, whatever it is, you know, whatever right. your salt test tells you, but you do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you need to sleep. You need to not stress. You need somebody to help you. Like all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a humbling sport. Yes. <laughs> it takes a bit of a village. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good way to put it. I think, I think you're right about that. Um, definitely. Well, those are some good tips. So one thing you uh, mentioned to me um, that I don't think you mentioned when you first started is that you are a former smoker. Yep. So your trans- uh, transition from smoking to running marathons is definitely a remarkable uh, transformation. So tell us about the pivotal moment or the catalyst that led you to make that change. It's Nobody's ever asked me that. Um, <laughs> so I was, I had started smoking when I was a kid. Mm. Just how terrible, right? Like how terrible. I was like, 14. Uh, yeah. And smoked all through high school and all through college. And I was about 28. And I joined a soccer team and I was like, this is starting to get hard, right? Like, because mm-hmm. now you're a little bit older and you're trying to run midfield and, you know, you're, you're stopping to take smoke breaks, got a little tough. And then <laughs> I said, oh. And then when I met um, my coworker, Frida, And we decided to run a 5K. I couldn't do it. I just Mm -hmm. couldn't. I couldn't run without, I could always do aerobics or do all this other stuff and smoke, but I just, running, I just couldn't do it. And I remember trying to go a mile, just a mile and stopping and, and just bending over on the sidewalk and just staring at the grass and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to die right now. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's going to end for me. Right. I just couldn't breathe. And so I started thinking, oh, maybe I should quit. And the second I I thought that, I started smelling it everywhere. It started Mm. grossing me out, right? Like everything about it just made me like, oh, this is terrible. And it took me from the time I was 28 till about 30-ish to like, no more party smoking. I'm not going to go drink Mm -hmm. beer and smoke only when I drink, right? and quit and I'm done. I'm yeah. It's so expensive, you know, <laughs> and and bad for you and I'm so happy that I found something else to feed my addiction <laughs> like uh-huh. triathlon. <laughs> yeah. My, well, you know. actually it's pretty amazing um how many people I have met that are former smokers in triathlon. So, you know, that's my yeah. that's my little plug to um anybody who's thinking about doing it that um, you know, these things don't have to hold you back. So you can definitely overcome um unhealthy lifestyles and become a super healthy person doing triathlons. So or mostly healthy. <laughs> <laughs> 
French fries are good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Especially after a race. That's my mm-hmm. favorite time to eat fries. So you've completed an impressive number of marathons, some 70.3s, a full 140.6, and you've even ventured to Kona. We kind of touched on that. Can you share a memorable moment from your triathlon journey that stands out, whether it's a race or even a personal accomplishment, but out of all these races that you have done? So really I think out. I might have shared this one with you in the past. Um, when I did the triathlon for um, my work, when they sent me, they sent me to Spain to do an mm-hmm. Olympic, which is, yeah, it, it's incredible, first of all, right? And I got out in that Mediterranean Sea and there were seagulls and all of this stuff. And I just flipped over. Like I, I decided that I guess I had forgotten I was in a race or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I just flipped over on my back and looked at the sky and then looked at the sea and thought, whoa, you know, like hooked me forever. Forever yeah. I was wow. And I I don't think I'll ever forget that feeling of just this is awesome. Like I am mm. out here in the ocean doing this and it is awesome. So that's my, that was my one that got me hooked. And then just a few weeks ago, when I walked out onto that pier in Kona Mm -hmm. and it even makes me kind of choked up right now. And you're standing there and they're like, okay, it's time for you to go walk in the water. Mm -hmm. And you walk down those steps into that ocean and you think it doesn't, get any cooler than this like yeah it, it could be like the aliens could suck you out of the earth right then <laughs> and it would be okay it was cool it was um, cool and i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back and finish what i started yeah sure. well okay so speaking of kona um you did share some challenges that you faced during that race tell us a little bit about how you got there um, and then maybe delve into some of the mental and emotional aspects of dealing with the setbacks in such a demanding event like like Kona. I mean, it's known for being a hard race for sure. And for those that don't know, Ironman um, does have a world championship every year. And um, so Kona is the big race. And so it's always an accomplishment for anybody that's going to Kona. Yeah, it's it's huge. And the, the vibes when you're out there, it, it's you can feel it in the air. You can just feel Mm -hmm. it in the air. So, um, when you're, when you're in the physically challenged division, there's only a couple of ways to get in. You can't qualify like an age group or it doesn't work the same. Mm. Um, so there's a lottery, so you can get in through the lottery, um, which is like you fill out this stuff and, you know, kind of like New York city, right? The marathon, New York city marathon, Mm -hmm. right? So you can get in by lottery you can get in through the foundation, the Ironman Foundation. And that's how I got in this year. So okay. um, through the Ironman Foundation, I had to fill out an application, go through interviews. Like they don't just, you don't just say, hey, I want to try a triathlon in Kona and they just let you in, right? Like they have yeah. to vet all of your races and make sure you've got, you know, the qualifications and are you set up for success? And my coach um, knew somebody that was an ambassador and I got to talk to her who kind of let me talk to somebody else. And then, you know, they were like, do you want to do this? Then you have to raise a ton of money. So I raised $25,000. Holy um, cow. Yeah. Or close to that. I think I'm I'm almost there anyway. So you have to raise a bunch of money. You have to give back. You have to show that you're dedicated to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll let you do it. So that's kind of the two ways. So in 2025, I will put in for the lottery. 
Okay. And hopefully get back there through the lottery. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of remarkable this year, there were eight physically challenged entrants at Kona. Um, oh, and it okay. was only women out there this year, right? So mm-hmm. how cool was that? That made yeah. it really cool. No offense to the guys, but they'll get next year. It'll be all men uh-huh. next year. Right. Um, so all ladies, and there was eight of us in the physically challenged division, and it was the biggest group they've had ever. Oh, wow. So we were we were a force to be reckoned with at uh, a strong eight. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it made it really special. That's so cool. Uh, I you know, didn't know any of that. Um, so how neat. Well, so tell us a little bit about, so you already mentioned you, um, you did not finish that race. And that's definitely hard. Uh, a DNF for anybody is definitely very difficult. So how, how have you been dealing with that? You know, the emotional side and mental side. I, I know you now said, well, you're going back. So I'm you're not back. giving up I'm on that mad. Train. Right now I got to go back and, <laughs> and show that island. No, <laughs> um, I, I don't think that's how it works. But, uh, you know, I cried a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and again, just, it's funny. Fortunately, my, my father is a competitor. Um, he is, he competes in billiards and pool and champion world champion status right so he understands mm. and he was in Kona with us this oh, time okay. and, um we finished and we went to dinner and I just kind of laid my head on his shoulder and he was like I get it you do all yeah. the things yeah you practice you you put in the time you, you do it and sometimes it's just not your day and right. it stinks um but having him there knowing, because everybody's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, they mm-hmm. don't really know it unless it's something that you've gone through, right? And right. to have him there to kind of like, just be in in my presence and me be in his and him be like, it's okay. So he kind of helped me through the first couple of days. Uh, my coach was there, which was amazing, you know, and she's like, hey, this happens. One of her mm-hmm. other athletes, you know, sprained an ankle on the course and didn't finish. Um, oh. so I wasn't, I wasn't the only one, you know, and it got, it, I, I think after I got through that initial disappointment, I'm still disappointed. I'm not going to lie. I'm still a little disappointed, of course. Um, but I, I realized that the, the people in the Ironman foundation that were helping me were contacting me and I was reaching out to them. And now I've got these contacts for this bike adaptation. And, you know, now maybe I can work with the challenge athletes foundation, which is a cool group to help people, mm-hmm. right? Um, people with disabilities that maybe need some things, people like me, I didn't even know this mm-hmm. existed, you know? Right. Um, it's opening doors and opportunity to kind of promote the sport that I do mm-hmm. love. I really do yeah. love it. And to meet some really cool people and to get some help where I didn't know there was help available. So I think... Mm-hmm. I'm even though I'm super duper disappointed again, I'm just lucky that this stuff happens, right? Like people just, Mm. I don't know if they just appear through grace or what it is, but it's really awesome. You know, you kind of got to open yourself up and put yourself out there and be like, here's where we're at. Where do we go next? Um, And I'm not a quitter. I've never been a mm-hmm. quitter. My husband laughs all the time. He's like, there's no quitting you. Like if you could just, just slow down for five minutes. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to do that. Right. So it's, yeah. we push forward, we move forward, we grow, we learn, we embrace the opportunities. We do all that stuff. 
and it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. But I think it's also awesome when you see kind of what comes out the other side. So. Right. Sounds like some amazing opportunities for sure. I'm just really super hopeful. Yeah. Like I'm hopeful and, I, and I'm pumped about being able to go back and try yeah. again. Yeah. That's awesome. We'll be looking forward to that. Um, so how do you mentally prepare for races, especially challenging ones like Kona? So pre-race, how are you getting ready for that? Uh, well, I do have coaches. I have two coaches. Um, and we write plans, right? So if you're not organized, you're not going to make it. So kind of like you said, for the beginner triathletes out there, look at mm -hmm. your course, make a plan, know your splits, what your nutrition is going to be. Practice, practice, practice. Um, nothing new on race day. I know you've told, I know you've told everybody this a thousand times, nothing uh -huh. new on race day, yep. right? It should be just another training day. And I try mm -hmm. to go into it like that, right? You eat, you sleep, you work your plan, you don't deviate from it, even when you want to. And sometimes you want to real, real bad, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's just another training day, right? It should just mm -hmm. be a celebration at the end. It shouldn't be this massive thing, right? You should mm -hmm. be ready for it. Right. In theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's definitely a science behind it, um, for yeah. sure. And, and I, I definitely agree with you. I, I just know when I did Ironman Louisville, um, so I think you have to be really extra prepared for these long distance races, but like eating my peanut butter and honey sandwich at special needs, like I had to force it down because, <laughs> you know, because you, like you said, you want to deviate from your plan because you're like, I, I can't, I can't even do this. But I was like, I have to, you know, I have you to. You have to choke it I down. Have you have to eat it. <laughs> Even yes. if you, like, you're looking at it and you don't want to do it, but just. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I remember that. I remember sitting there staring at my sandwich being like, oh, <laughs> oh, but I did it. So let's see here. What has been the most significant adaptation or change you've had to make in your approach to triathlons due to your unique circumstances? Um, so, of course, we've talked about your bike, but, um, you know, what other kinds of things do you have to do that are more adaptations? There's really no more physical adaptations um, other than the bike, right? So um, I can wear the wetsuit and and the bike. So that's physical. I think emotionally, and I don't know that this is unique to me. I think this is everybody. You have to really be prepared to give up time. And, and maybe mm -hmm. I have to give mm -hmm. up a little bit more time than somebody else, right? Because things are going to take me longer, right? Mm -hmm. It takes me longer to pack a bag. It takes me longer mm -hmm. to swim. It takes me longer to unpack and do the lunches. Like all the little things that the logistics that we were talking about, right? Like, to put my bike on a rack, pack my bag, assemble it all, and get down to the start line probably takes me 20 or 30 minutes longer than it takes somebody else. Because mm, they're just, sure. I got to take two trips, right? <laughs> or I got to take, <laughs> you know, or I've got to pack everything like Tetris in a, in a bag. And, and just even having two hands, you have to do that anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Um all those little logistics and all those little micro things add up. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it takes me a lot longer. Um, and in when we're talking about long, long races, like these big, long endurance races that it just, 
compounds, right? The time compounds. And so Mm. you have, I'm married like you, right? Like all of us, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, babe, here's the, you know, you have to, Mm -hmm. they have to be in it with you, right? Because they they Mm -hmm. suffer with you and it's Mm -hmm. not free for them. It costs a lot Mm -hmm. emotionally, right? You're tired all the time. And so I think maybe that's just, it's a little bit more just because Mm -hmm. of the physical challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as like tech adaptations, there hasn't been much. Now, I hope by next year, I'll have this big fancy bike Mm -hmm. adaptation arm thing that looks really cool and does a lot of stuff that we can, you know, talk about. But for now, it's just me kind of out here winging it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm excited to see that when when Mm -hmm. that time comes. um, This. Well, even, um, you know, like, because I see you pretty much every week at open water swims, you know, you've did have to learn how to put your swim cap on differently. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's even little things like that. Not that that probably takes you a whole lot longer than somebody else to put on a swim cap, but you know, you just had to learn how to do it a different kind of way, which was really cool. But it, it is, you know, and it's, um, it's strange. Like the first few times every year, you know, triathlon season opens the first mm-hmm. few times I go down to the water, I get nervous. Because mm-hmm. people stare, right? Yeah. And they stare for 10 seconds and then they could care less, right? But mm-hmm. it's always that that initial set of nerves that gets me. I have to mm-hmm. go in a bathing suit with one arm in front of all yeah. these people. You guys yeah. see me every day. It's not a secret, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. To me, in your head, right, it, it builds anxiety and, it, sure. and stress, you know, or you go to the pool and you see three guys standing on the edge of the pool, just watching us swim up and down, up and down. And you're like, that's a little weird. It builds anxiety. Yeah. I haven't even thought of something like that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think probably watching you is very interesting. Um, just, yeah. you know, you want to see how somebody with one arm is going to swim and how they're going to get on their bike and how they're going to ride their bike. Um, so, but I can see how that might be, yeah, Weird. anxiety producing. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't want vicious. People... <laughs> like nobody's ever saying mean things, but uh-huh. you know, it's it, uh, even it, we were we were doing a test ride in Kona beforehand, and we were riding up the hill, and me and my girlfriend were going, and we were riding up this hill, and out of nowhere comes this this man flying up beside me. Hey. See you on that bike with only one arm. Tell me about it. And I'm like, not, not today, sir. Not today. <laughs> and he meant no, he, right? He meant it as a compliment, but uh-huh. it was he had stalked us all uh-huh. through the path and just waited for his moment. Um, and you know, I'm kind of glad it's it's fine, right? Because once they figure it out, they they go about their business and about their day. But um, it's a little bit strange. It's a little yeah. bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you probably have some people that are willing to just put themselves out there and ask, and then a lot of other people that are really curious but don't have the courage yeah, <laughs> to it's, ask it's, questions. It's a mixed so. bag. It's, it's a mixed bag, but it's it's always yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's that's funny. Well, so triathlons uh, require rigorous training and time management. So, how do you strike a balance between your career and family and training? My boss isn't going to listen to this. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, it's tough. I'm not going to lie. It's tough. Um, 
I have a, you know, a, a real career. Um, I travel a little bit, you know, right now I'm, I'm traveling about five hours from home to, to visit some people that I work with for the week and do some things. And it's exhausting. So, um, I think you have to be really super organized and you have to want it and you have to really communicate with the people that you love so that they know you still love them, even though you're not maybe at the Thursday dinner, or maybe you're Mm -hmm. not, you know, able to party all night on a Saturday night. You know, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not because you don't want to be with them. It's because you want this other thing so badly. Right. And the second that I don't want it so badly is the second that I won't be able to do it anymore. Right. It's a lot of sacrifices and it can get real lonely. I mean, you know, this, if you're out on that Mm -hmm. bike for six, seven hours by yourself, Mm -hmm. it's it's not really a team sport when you're out, out there, maybe in transition, maybe the prep, but I think my job was really concerned that maybe I wasn't going to be able to to do all of this stuff when they found out because I was keeping it a secret, you know. Uh. Um, <laughs> but then when I told them I'd been doing it, you know, at least running marathons since the early 2000s, they were like, oh, OK, right. So she's been handling it so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think I sacrificed promotions for it, you know, here and there. Right. Mm. I'd mm. rather just be happy in my job where I am so that I can do these other things. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. I, it's just a balance. You got to really communicate with the ones you love. That's the only way, and and stay organized because it's going to be tough. It's yeah. going to be tough, and yeah. you got to get the buy-in, or they're going to just be mad. <laughs> right? No, that's true. That's yeah. definitely true. So, can you share some of your pre-race rituals or habits that help you get into the right mindset for a triathlon? Um, sure. So I, uh, I I guess I just, I, I'm a sucker for, uh, the nutrition thing. So I do the all brown food. Like if it's not biscuit colored (laughs) or white (laughs) the week beforehand, I'm probably not eating it. Right. Okay. (laughs) So I really, I always have had tummy troubles. So I'm really, really particular about that. Right. And Mm. of course, no drinking. So that's a thing. And I'm in bed by a ridiculously early hour, like seven o'clock. Like I just, (laughs) I just want to, I just, Mm -hmm. I get really obsessive about it. Even if it's Mm -hmm. a short race, right. I just want to be, I want to be mentally prepared. Um, I never, ever, ever, except for this time in Kona, have ever bought any pre-race stuff before the race. Uh. <laughs> and this I did for Kona and it makes me so like my superstitions are like creeping up. I bought two shirts, you know, cause uh-huh. they have your name on them. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but I've no matter the iron, the Florida Ironman, the 70.3 is I've never bought race gear beforehand. It's always been mm-hmm. a superstition. Like I can't have it until I finish. And I <laughs> did it this time. Uh. I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. <laughs> um. And, you know, I just, I think that's just about it. I just, I like to have some alone time. So not, not too Mm. much stuff. Just don't buy the stuff beforehand. (laughs) That's the biggest one. (laughs) You know, sleep and just eat the most boring food in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) So tell me what you love about the triathlon community and the people that you meet along the way, because this is definitely one of my favorite parts. Yeah. It's cool, right? Yeah. I think the people are really interesting. Um, 
we've all got stories, right? Tragedy, success, places that we go, you know, um, the things that we do and anything from like weird hallucinations on the bike, you know, to tripping over a stump on a trail. I think we're very goal oriented people. And mm-hmm. so we're, we, we motivate each other and we inspire each other, right? There's not mm-hmm. a whole lot of, oh man, my day is terrible kind of people in our group. We're all kind mm-hmm. of look looking to overcome the next challenge right and it's yeah. just like this big circle of of awesome and, and when i found this community i thought i've never met a, a nicer bunch of people in my whole life right it doesn't For matter real. what age you are you're 20 you're 80 it doesn't matter like you're all out there doing the same thing we're doing we're mm-hmm. having a field day it's yeah. field day every <laughs> single weekend mm-hmm. <laughs> you know which is like the best day ever yeah um so i just think it's it's a really positive, really motivating, really cool group of people who are willing yeah. to share the good, the bad, and the, and the gross and the ugly, right? Yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> a lot of gross. True. <laughs> there is a lot of gross. I, I, I don't know. I think we're cool. I like I like us. I think we uh-huh. do okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm actually, you know, just sort of sad. It's like been a few weeks since we've had open water swims you know you kind of get used to seeing everybody on Sunday mornings and <laughs> right just skipping down to the lake to yeah. do some things and yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you know we don't have as many group rides and and different things you know now that the weather's starting to turn and <sighs> but you know I think you kind of talked about like being on a team that's one of the great things um, you know I'm on thunder and so we still have activities over the winter so we still see each other some not as much as normal right you know, but but a little bit and um, you get some of that camaraderie because yeah we're we're just a, a different kind of people a great great group of people to be around um, no matter no matter what time of year it is so and normal people think we're weird, right? So we can yeah, be yeah. weird together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What advice would you offer to individuals facing adversity or physical limitations who are looking to pursue athletic ambitions, especially in the world of triathlon? Probably don't do it like I did it, right? <laughs> um, I, I think I don't think I was open enough to accepting the help. Mm. You know, I wanted to go out there and be tough. And just be like everybody else. And I kind of live that way in my regular life. I don't make it a thing, right? I only have one arm, but I try not to make it a thing. Yeah. And there are some instances, if you have physical challenges, that you need to make it a thing or nobody knows it's a thing and you can't get any help. Sure. Yeah. You know, and and so I, I think my recommendation would be to seek out people that have limitations and very politely ask, you know, because some people are touchy about it, right? Um, and and th- those of us that are not will probably let you know that it's okay to ask, right? Uh-huh. Um, but to have somebody that understands the limitations, I think is just huge. And they may not have the answer, but they're super willing to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the guys I hooked up with, um, his name is Willie, and he's got the same kind of arm amputation I have. And I just hooked up with him a couple of weeks ago and he has been a godsend. Like every, Mm. he knows everything. He's like, yeah, I've been doing this for, you know, 40 years. I know everything. I could have helped you a long time ago. And I, Mm. I feel like that was a huge miss for me. Yeah. Seek out the people and, and, you know, be open to the help. 
Yeah. I think one of the things I love about triathlon um, is there are so many ability levels and it doesn't matter where you fit on the spectrum, you know, whether you're an, you know, an elite person or, you know, a back of the pack person, whether you have some sort of disability or anything like this group of people um, just cheers everybody on and embraces every single level and is just excited for everybody. And I, I love that. Um, I was just thinking, you know, this is the road race series, not, not triathlon, but like over the, um, on Sunday or Saturday when I ran the half marathon, you know, there's this guy that every single race, you know, he's fast. He finishes one of the top in the very first, and he comes back at least a mile and a half, two miles into the race to just encourage everybody else. And he stays there till the very end um, and getting everybody, you know, and those kinds of um, that, that's the stuff that's amazing to me in this sport is that people are that way towards each other and just very encouraging. So Love okay, it. so what advice do you have for triathletes when it comes to setting and achieving their goals? Be flexible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think be flexible. Uh, have a plan, you know, have your plan A. Um, but what happens, right? What happens if you get a flat? Always be prepared, mm. right? What happens mm-hmm. if you're on your run and you, you forgot your, your goose and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you get to the aid stations, um, just, just have a plan B, yeah. you know, hope you don't have to use it, but have it in your, in your back pocket. That's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, as we wrap up, um, and you're setting your sight on future goals and triathlon challenges, can you provide us a glimpse into what's on the horizon for you in the coming years? Um, so we know 2025, you're wanting to go back to Kona, but what else are you looking to do? Um, well, I did the Mamba 50K this past Saturday. Well, you guys are out running the half marathon. I thought mm-hmm. it was a good idea to go do this. So I'm going to I'm gonna take a week off, I think. Okay. Um, okay. And then I've already signed up for the Woodlands 140. Um, okay. So yeah, it's a flat, it's a flat course. So I should be okay without adaptation for that course, uh-huh. right? It's not a bunch of hills and crazy humidity and wind and all this other stuff. So I'm going to do that one. Um, I might, depending on um, this adaptation, try the, the Louisville 70.3. Okay. It, yeah. I, I know I will come back and ask you questions about it too. When you said it, my ears perked up. It's on my list. Yeah. Um, so, and we have a work branch there, so I could multitask. I could do work and oh, nice. on then. Um, <laughs> and so I want to do that. Um, maybe throw a marathon or so in there just so I don't forget what the distance feels like. Mm. Um, and then I was talking to the PC director of Iron Man, and he mentioned, he just flo- floated it by me, the 70.3s are in New Zealand this December. Oh, Okay. I haven't committed to it. I'm still mulling it over in my brain, but it sure does sound like a fun time. Mm-hmm. What a place <laughs> to go. Said every triathlete 10 minutes before they sign up, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so since I can't go to Nice, Nice is too much climbing for me. I, I would never, it would be a, it, it would be a, something that I wouldn't be able to do, especially without an adaptation. So mm. I think there are going to be some limitations for me. Um, but mm-hmm. a nice 
half Ironman in New Zealand doesn't sound terrible at the end of the year. Yeah, no, that doesn't sound terrible at all. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm really excited for Louisville. I don't know that I'm going to do it. I, you know, had a, the year I did the full Ironman in Louisville was a horrible weather year. Um, And so it made for a bad race day. Um, But I finished. So, (laughs) so there's that. Um, But the 70.3 definitely sounds much more appealing. And um, I think it is on pretty much the same bike course. And it's a good bike course, but definitely some hills. Um, It's, yeah, definitely some hills. (laughs) So, something to think about, though. Something Something to think think about. It's it's kind of back here as whether I'm going to do it or not. I, I feel like it's going to get sold out before I make a decision, but Uh-oh. but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not ready to commit to it yet. But yeah. But anyway, well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. This has really been a great discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, me too. Like I said before, you are an amazing person and very inspiring, and it has just definitely been great to talk to you. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me and I will see you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for joining us today on the official triathlete podcast. Pam Wilson's story is a testament to the resilience of the human spirit and the boundless potential within each of us. Her journey from a love of the outdoors to the race courses of marathons and triathlons is a reminder that we all have the capacity to defy the odds and push past our limits. Pam's relentless pursuit of her goals, despite facing adversity, serves as an inspiration to all of us. Her challenges are not barriers. They are stepping stones to personal triumph. Her story is a testament to the power of adaptability, mental strength, and the unwavering drive to achieve personal bests. As we wrap up this episode, I encourage you to take Pam's story to heart. Whether you're a seasoned triathlete or just beginning your journey, Remember that every stride, every stroke, and every pedal can be a testament to your own strength and determination. Stay motivated, keep setting new goals, and embrace the thrill of pursuing your own extraordinary path. Thank you, Pam, for sharing your incredible journey with us. And to my dedicated listeners, I appreciate your support. Until the next episode, keep pushing your boundaries, keep chasing your dreams, and keep the spirit of triathlon alive in your heart. All right, talk to you next time. Bye. That's all for now. Thanks for tuning in. I want to get to know you. So head over to trynursecoaching.com and sign up for a free 30 minute goal setting session. Love the show. I'd be forever grateful if you left a review and shared the podcast with your friends. And remember, do things that are hard 